You are listening to the Genesis Podcast, a community of faith, love, and hope. As we look to the scriptures, it is our desire to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. Good morning. Good to have you guys here. Uh, I want to begin a new series that we're entitling Human. When you hear the idea of human... Maybe you've got this, well, I'm only human. Isn't there a song? I'm only human. Who's that? Spando Ballet or something? Huh? Human League. There it is. Human League has a, just need to know. You know, I'd be sitting there, who is it? The idea of I'm only human is kind of like, well, there's this fault with us as human beings. That when you say I'm only human, it has the connotation in it that there is a defect And I think we kind of see that. We see that in our lives. We see that in the people we know. But the scriptures tell us in John 1.14, so the word of God became a human being. And I love this translation, and lived among us. It's J.B. Phillips' translation. The word of God became flesh. There's another uh, translation that's paraphrased that God pitched his tent and moved into the neighborhood. The idea that Jesus became human is not just to bring about salvation, but was actually to bring about an awareness of what it means to be human. I mean, the incarnation is a foundation to to what it is to be a follower of Jesus, what Christianity is about. And if you were to ask, why did Jesus come to earth? You know, there's a a theological explanation. If you've grown up in church at all, you're aware of these things that a perfect God cannot tolerate imperfection. And because he is holy, because he is perfect, his nature is perfect, he is both just and loving, but he needs to remove remove the stain of humanity, the sin of humans. And so to do that, a just God can only be appeased by a just penalty. And so God, a perfect God, had to become the perfect human being so that he could die in place of those who do sin. And the only option for God's sinless son to come in our place for a sinful humanity. That's kind of a, a theological understanding of the incarnation. But doctrine, as important as it is, it doesn't really give us a reason why. It gives us a theological explanation but I don't think it actually tells us why. You know, as important it is as in the doctrine of incarnation is, people aren't looking for a doctrinal explanation of God. People are looking for a God who knows them and a God who they can know. And theology gives you information, but it doesn't give you the person. Just like if I was to talk to you about someone well-known, 
or even someone here, if I were to give you a description about one of you, and I could say, oh, yes, you know, Ted works here and he does this and he does this. It doesn't make you know Ted. You have to actually speak to Ted and get to know him to have that. And that's what people are looking for. We're not looking for information about. We're looking for relationship with. And so enter Jesus. He comes onto the scene. And what we need to do is to understand why did Jesus come is we really need to go back to the beginning when God created human beings. And we know from Genesis just the story that It was constantly God did this and it was good. God created the heavens and the earth. He created the stars. He created the trees. He created the animals and he created men and women. In his own image, he created them. And after each one, God created and it was good. God created, it was good, it was good. And then at the very end, it was very good when God created man in his own image. And and so we see at the very beginning that there is this invested interest because it is good. It's something that has with it this almost nostalgia of that time when God did something and it was so good. And I think nostalgia is such a, a human trait. Do you have things that bring back memories to you? Sometimes it's music, right? You're in the car and you hear a song and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I love this song. And you're just like in your own world in that car. They put, people look to you next to you. Oh, what's wrong? Sorry, man. Just excuse me. I'm, I'm back in the 80s. You know, whatever it is, you're just lost in that music. It brings back a memory. Photographs. You look at a picture and you remember those events. Maybe it's a a time when you went with the family on vacation. I can remember this one vacation when all our kids were small and we went up to Big Bear. I know I told you a story last time about Big Bear, but this is a different one. It's a good one. And we went up to Big Bear and we drove up in the night and it hadn't snowed. And so the mountain was just basically a mountain, but it's was the time allotted for my vacation. And one of the people I knew had actually let us use their vacation home up in Big Bear. So we went up there and we stayed in the home and went to sleep. You know, the kids are all going to bed and we wake up in the next morning and there's snow everywhere. And the kids wake up. I wake up to the sound of the kids yelling, there's snow, there's snow, you know, and they're just screaming because now this is a vacation. Now we're going to go sledding. Now we're going to make snowballs. Now we're going to make snowmen. Now we're going to have a good time. And I remember it was just perfect the way it happened. It brings back this emotion. I remember the kids waking up and usually when they wake up screaming, it wasn't a good thing. You know, it was like, stop it. Tell them to leave me alone. But this was waking up and it was good. There's snow. It's great. And it's this wonderful thing and this nostalgia that is there. And you see, A lot of times when you think about something that's happy, when you have this nostalgic, you're looking for something that brings this sense of home. You're bringing something that brings a sense of familiarity, that brings a sense of it was good. And in Genesis, we have that scenario. It was good. It was good. It was very good. We went to... Mexico this last weekend, many of you know, and uh, 
we'll post some more pictures probably on our Facebook site. But I just want to talk about it briefly because when you go to an orphanage, you know, you're dealing with children who don't have a home. There's about 26 children. And so we go there and we try to just bring love. We are invested in this uh, specific orphanage. And, and I'm really happy that we are. I really like the way it's being run. Uh, Sonia and Victor, the people who we sponsor in Mexico, I was talking with them and she said that this is one of the only orphanages that they know of where the girls actually stay till they're 18 years of old, 18 years of age. That a lot of other orphanages, the girls leave before they're 18 years old because of they find a boyfriend or whatever, and it's usually not good. But this is one where they actually stay all the way through, and they have an option to stay even longer if they want to help out. It's very organized. They have a nanny that's in the room with the girls. They have a nanny that's in the room with the boys. They have a person who goes around and just cleans up after everything. The, the home or the rooms where the, the girls and the boys stay, they're immaculate. They have to clean them themselves. Their beds are made. The girls' beds have like the stuffed animals and they're just very personal. And you could tell that it means a lot to them. Their, their cubby where they have all their clothing is just meticulous. It's all folded. The place is the great shape. It's immaculate. It's just a great place. There's a person who does the cooking. Gabriel, the director, he kind of oversees these things, but he's got a lot of people doing great things. And and so it brings a confidence to know that we're there and we're involved with that. They're building the new place because they have to move in October. And we've been a part of that. We got to see that. There'll be pictures again online for that. But they're at the orphanage and you're looking at these children who don't have homes. And there was this one young girl. She was only there for three days. She's five years old. And was her name Amelia? I think that was her name, Amelia. Five years old. And Amelia is the one on the left. I took the picture of them and then I showed the picture to the girls and the one on the right started laughing at herself and the smiling. Amelia would not even look at the picture. She turned away. This was her countenance the whole time that we were there. Whenever someone would try to reach out to her, she would just be closed. I mean, even Gabe got into the playhouse with Amelia and you'd think that would make anyone smile. All the other girls would smile, right? It wouldn't move her because she is there only for a few days, and there is no sense of home yet. Even though she's there with her two brothers, that's another thing I love about the Buena Vida Orphanage is it brings in the families. It doesn't just bring one child. It brought in Amelia and her two brothers. And this is her brother right here in the middle getting his nails done by Bill. Thank you, Bill. Getting a a pedicure. He was there. He had a great time. The other uh, boy was having a good time, but poor Amelia is just not quite home. There's something in her that is being resistant. They don't know her story. The government doesn't tell the story of what happened to them, and so we don't know what the story is behind her coming here, but there's almost the sense that she's saying, this isn't my home and I'm not ready to accept it. You only start to see the children come out when they accept the fact that this is now their life and they start to make it their home. And then they can start relaxing and then they can start actually enjoying the place. Sonia was able to get Amelia to to laugh. 
she went into the kitchen. She kind of walked her by the hand in the kitchen. She goes, come on, let's get a treat. We won't tell anybody. It'll just be our secret. And she cut a hostess ding-dong in half. And she said, which half do you want? And Amelia took the big half. And she says, okay, let's quick, let's eat it before anyone finds out. And she shoved the whole thing in her mouth. The whole thing just went in her mouth. And Sonia just started laughing. And then Amelia started laughing as well because now they have this little thing together, this, this memory, this nostalgia that she has of something that was good. The incarnation is that. It's God bringing this awareness. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and they might have it to the full. Incarnation is coming for you to give you a full life, but it's also Jesus coming for them. Who's them? Them is everyone who isn't you. Jesus has come for us. You see, what the incarnation is about, it's not just God coming to to save the world. God doesn't see people as pagans to be converted. He doesn't see people as projects that need to be preached at or a, a demographic that we need to talk to or be programmed. Humans should, be, should never be very generalized, categorized, dismissed, judged. They need to be understood, not underestimated. Every person is a story, rich with experiences, creative potential, strengths, and weaknesses. We can't put everyone in the same box. Amelia's story is different than the girl who sits right next to her. Your story is different than the person who's sitting right next to you. And Jesus came for you, and he came for them to make life full because he's trying to get us back. I think Christians often make it sound like Jesus came only to die for our sin, make us converts, and then to grow the religion of Christianity and make more converts. But you see, God never wanted converts. God wants his family back. And the incarnation is not about doctrine. It's about passion. It's not about a theological discourse. It's a God who created things good and wants it to be good again for you and for everyone next to you. He wants us to understand what it is to be human again. To to regain what we forfeited when sin came into the picture, to regain what it means to be whole. And some of us are so fragmented and so broken that the concept of being whole is foreign to us. And so what God is wanting to do through Jesus is give the example of what it means. And then he's wanting us who have been touched by this example to in turn show it to other people. I was talking to a friend whose life is just broken in so many ways. And as she is talking about this brokenness and as it shows up, she actually began to to cry at some points because of the things that she has lost 
because of the mistakes that she has made. And you see, I don't need to tell her about the doctrine of Jesus coming and dying for her sin. I need to connect her to the God who loves her and wants his family back. And just like this young girl, Amelia, who doesn't know where she belongs, there is my friend who doesn't know where she belongs, and she's living her life at 28 years old, just like Amelia is at five years old, struggling to find a place, struggling to find wholeness, and struggling to actually be human again. And this is what the incarnation is about. In John chapter 17, verses 20, 21, Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone, talking about his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. You see, this is the reason that God sent Jesus. This is the reason Jesus came To die for my sins? Yes, but because he wants you and me with him. It's very personal. And I think maybe because of the emotion of being at the orphanage this past weekend and and the exhaustion for not sleeping, it probably always helps, you know, affect who you are. But there is an awareness that this is not just about information. This is connected to something that is very personal, that means something to God and should mean something to us. The incarnation is the heart of God on display. And it, it is all the good that we understand about being human being revealed you see we are part of this humanity that jesus cares loves and came for and although christians live in a belief system we stop believing all the time we're being honest there are times where i don't have a lot of faith or i don't believe the way i should we fail to trust god with our money. We fail to trust God with our relationships. We drink too much. We have conversations that we shouldn't have. We engage in things that we shouldn't do. We cheat on our income taxes. We go to porn sites. We struggle with food addictions. We struggle with other problems and habits. Just like everyone else, we are just as broken as everyone else. And to deny that is to deny what's true. And it will stop you from becoming who you need to be when you start blocking out the truth that is happening inside of you. And so we can't say, well, we're Christians. We don't do that. The truth is Christians do all those things. Struggle in all these areas, just like everyone does. We're all disoriented or at least have a massive built-in propensity to screw up our lives, to mess things up, to hurt the ones that we love and see things in a wrong way. And if we know this about ourselves, it can help us in a much greater and patient way 
bring faith to others. See, I know what it means to be human as I see it in Jesus, but I also know what it means to be an orphan as I see it in myself. I know what it is to long for a home that isn't yet in my heart, and I want to get there, and I can journey with you there because I am like you are, which is exactly what Jesus did. He says, I understand your brokenness. I understand what it is to be hurt. I understand what it's like to be betrayed by those you love because I am like you are. And I am here because I want you back. It's personal to me. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. This isn't about going to church. This isn't about religion. This is about me wanting you with me again. And it's powerful because this is the heart of God. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, Paul says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in my heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The incarnation is the mystery of God. The incarnation is the revelation of humanity and what it is to be human. To expose God's heart and desire. It is the footsteps that we are to follow in so that you can begin to grasp who we are truly meant to be and what it truly means to be human. And it is something that we share together. And so we start off looking at this idea of being human and what it actually is and what it actually is supposed to be. And it starts with the incarnation, with God revealing himself to us and also revealing to us what it means to be human so that we can take this good news to those who are like us, orphaned, broken, and connect them to the one who's searching for them, that they could actually find the God who has been looking for them their whole life. So let's continue to find out what it means to be human. Let's pray. Lord, may we not make the mistake of taking the truths that are revealed through Jesus and making them just theological concepts, just informational things that we talk about or learn. May we not lose our humanity as we look at the incarnation. May we recognize 
the importance of relationship. May we understand the nostalgia to, to get back home to you in the relationship that we were created for. May we understand your passion in this central truth of our belief that the Word became a human being and lived among us. Lord, as we are praying right now, I pray ask God that you would touch our hearts with a revelation of where we are in this relationship with you. And if there are people here who are believers, they've committed their lives to you, but they also recognize that there is a a disconnect with who they are supposed to be and, and who you have revealed for us to be. And Lord, they just see that brokenness and, and want to bridge that gap. Lord, you exposing that and making that aware is the beginning. So I pray that you would bring healing in these areas where there's disconnect. For, for those of us, Lord, who have areas where we struggle, we, we, we fall even though we know what we should do and what we've been believing in all along, Lord, there's this, this disconnect with who we say we are and who we really are. God, may we not try and move away from that, but might we embrace what you have for us here in this brokenness, Lord, that you bring healing at that place and for us at this time. And Lord, may we not try to live as a family that doesn't have faults or problems. Might we recognize that we are a community filled with broken, orphaned people who need healing touch from a God who loves us and who knows us. God, may we be genuine. May we not try and and put on a facade, a hypocritical face of what it means to be Christian. May we come as we are and honest before you and before one another and find wholeness. And for those who are here this morning, Lord, who have not committed their lives to, who, who have never made a decision to acknowledge you in their lives, may they take that step and say, I, I want to be restored. I know I need it. May they make that declaration of faith that they have put their lives in trust in you. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring healing through this series as we look at what it means to be human. Lord, may through it we actually become human. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. May you keep yourself in the love of God. May you recognize that he is the one who is able to present you blameless before the Father in heaven. The Christ is the one who is able to bring you and me home. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Hope to see you Wednesday or next Sunday. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. 
You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.